Thank you for joining us at Sacred at Work. This podcast is designed to give voice to the feelings and desires so many of us are having at this extraordinary transformational moment on the planet. Join us on this exploration and sacred journey of uncovering our truest selves, whether in business or in life, because after all, sacred is always at work. We are two colleagues, businesswomen, mothers, entrepreneurs, and seekers. Hi, I'm Pam Shalou. I'm from Oakland, California, and I am the founder of Practical Feed Advisors. I help kick-ass female visionaries to tune into their intuition, trust themselves more fully, and take inspired action from that place to change the world. Hi, I'm Hilary Sampson in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I'm the owner of Transforming Ventures. I support entrepreneurs to connect with the soul of their business and explore how sacred teachings can support our work and workplaces. Good morning, Hillary. Hi, Pam. How are you? I'm really good. You know, I, I'm excited about today because we're exploring a topic that is, you know, at the intersection of science and spirituality and has a body of research and experts from across the globe who've based their entire careers on understanding this impact and the effect of the simple act and complex act of compassion. Mm, I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite topics. Mm, I know. You know, I was thinking, you know how when you actually notice something and then it shows up all the time. So you buy mm. a yellow car that you think is so unique and then you see a hundred of them on the road. Well, this has been the case for me this week. It's been this topic of compassion has been everywhere. And last night, I stumbled upon this article by a friend and colleague, Brian Welsh, who uh, runs an organization called Mindful.org. And he wrote this heart-wrenching article and shared his story about losing his son to addiction. And the gift that that pain of his journey gave him to consciously cultivate compassion in himself and others. And his message deeply resonated with me and stirred something even more, you know, and I just am uh, grateful to the universe that when we decide to put our attention on something, it actually shows up and it actually grows. So just by being in conversation with you today, I know that this act of compassion is growing, but it is also something I was thinking about, like, why would two women like us decide to take on this already so well covered topic? And um, I don't know about you, because it, it, for me, as it turns out, it's seemingly an easy act of compassion, but it's not always when it's directed towards ourselves. I mean, that's been one of my biggest challenges. And it's why I wanted to explore this and and with you specifically, Hillary, because you've witnessed firsthand and have provided such sage counsel to me numerous times with the invitation of engaging in self-compassion when I can't seem to get there. So I want to thank you for that because it's been important (laughs) for me on this journey. So I thought we'd begin with starting to understand the definition of compassion. I mean, there's numerous um, articles and research done on this, but the common uh, 
definition by emotion researchers define compassion as the feeling that arises when we are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. So when I think about that, and I notice in the definition that there is the act of noticing the suffering and then the feeling of the desire to alleviate it. Now, self-compassion involves acting the same way towards ourselves when we're having a difficult time or notice something that we don't like about ourselves. And instead of just ignoring the pain, you know, with a stiff upper lip, I, I was very well taught and versed on having a stiff upper lip. You actually stop and tell ourselves, you know, this is really difficult right now. How can I comfort and care for myself in the moment? That's a that's the act of self-compassion. So you have been a mirror for me and a mentor on this, Hillary. And uh, I'm curious to hear how this shows up for you since it's such a love topic by you. Oh, thanks, Pam. It And I love that definition. That's so powerful. I'm so glad that my words have helped you in the past because you're such an incredible support for me. What I know and why I love this topic of compassion, uh, all of it comes from the wisdom of Mary Magdalene and the many explorations that I've dived into, into the sacred feminine texts and teachings. I think of compassion like the fuel that the divine feminine runs on. And part of that divine feminine is acknowledging our, our lineage. The vast majority of us did not grow up in loving, accepting communities that celebrated us for our uniqueness. That, that wasn't how many of us, most of us grew up. And on top of that, so many of us have generational stories of trauma and abuse and neglect going back hundreds or thousands of years. And that trauma and abuse, it becomes baked into our bones. So it's almost impossible for us to act in a loving, powerful way, even most of the time. So I think of that first act of compassion is acknowledging that we are climbing a very steep mountain with a very heavy backpack. And we're just doing the best we can with each step. Mm, that's true. That's true. Mm, yeah. And so that that's like the first acknowledgement, the first self-compassion is, is feeling into that lineage, that suffering, lineage of suffering. And even though I, like you, feel it for other people so much more easily than I feel that compassion for myself. I'm much more comfortable uh, with um, those negative words directed towards myself, which is really self-harm uh, than I am with self-compassion. It's something that we are all struggling with for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're talking about all these great minds that are working to understand and increase our compassion and uh, self-compassion, but mm -hmm. there's, there is always more to explore. It's true. Today was uh, the first time I thought, oh, I wish our podcast was actually six hours long instead of 30 well, we minutes. We could just keep going. I, <laughs> I am sure our listeners would love to hear us talk about compassion for six hours. <laughs> well, one of the people that I've long admired um, is 
Dr. Kristen Neff, you know, her work, um, she, she's now considered one of the most foremost authorities on self-compassion. And I, her website is chock full of tools and practices and um, that people can take a look at. And she even has a quiz, by the way, that helps you see how self-compassionate you are. Spoiler alert, I didn't score very well. <laughs> But she helped me in, in over the years really find the distinction between self-esteem and self-compassion, which are not the same. And it illuminated a big aha for me around the conditioning. And once again, um, a topic we talk about all the time, this learned behavior, part of systemic learned behavior. And Brian even mentions this in his article about how he was conditioned to not um, be compassionate. Why? Why? Well, first to understand that self-esteem really centers on disconnecting with others because it's rooted in the idea that we're better than everyone around us, right? It's the self-esteem of like having be, being in comparison and trying to be better. Um, and, and we're taught that. And then self-compassion, on the other hand, emphasizes the connection with others. It's based on a shared experience of suffering and struggle that we all face in our own humanity. And that aha for me is really around the connection piece. Because when we're connected, we're able to cultivate. And when we're disconnected, we're in fear and contraction. And that keeps coming up in all of the, the topics that we're talking about. Really, it comes back to this connection. And what I grokked from this as I've been diving in is that really in our Western civilization, many of us find it hard to show ourselves compassion because we've literally been trained and we've been taught to focus on being goal-driven in an individualistic way. It's like I was taught as a kid survival of the fittest, which right from the start created the conditions for disconnection from others. I'm going to be the fittest. I'm going to be the strongest first to the top of the mountain. Now, there's nothing wrong with having goals, but to have a goal that separates us from others serves no one. And sadly, if I'm honest about it, I didn't have any good role models for compassion either. Because we're indoctrinated with this belief system and with this teaching of individualism. And it's like, you know, I find this slightly ironic because those people who know me would tend to say, you know, that I'm a pretty compassionate person. And over the years, I've really actually prided myself in that, which is why I'm always flummoxed when it's pointed out to me that I could be more compassionate with myself. <laughs> kind of hurts. I'm like, oh, because I know it. I know what to do. I know how to do it for others. But I have to be reminded, and I suspect I'm not the only one, that we need to just turn inward, notice, and offer the same compassion to myself. Ouch. You're not the only one. That is for sure. And just as you're speaking, I'm just thinking about all those stories we need to unlearn. Like it is, it is a big 
job. It's a lot of work. I'm also loving your references to the connection and that power of connection. So as you know, my work is to talk about sacred teachings and how that can support us in our life and in our work. And one of the sacred teachings that's so core is that we are one and that everything is one thing. So what that means is literally there's nothing that I can do that won't affect you and nothing you can do that won't affect me. And when I extend love and compassion to you, I'm extending it to myself. And when I treat you with hate and unkindness, I'm treating myself the same way. And that goes both ways. And so what this brings up for me at this point in my life and where it really is landing is in terms of generational harm. So I've come to the very hard realization, uh, although I'm sure I've been fighting it tooth and nail, that there is no way to teach our children to be fully compassionate people when I'm uncompassionate with myself. So I can extend compassion to others and, you know, children will pick up, my daughter will pick up that lesson, but they too, whether they know it or not, they are picking up the energy and that lesson, that story. When I'm not extending compassion to myself, that is the lesson that they will learn too. Mm. So this very hard work of learning self-compassion is not just for myself. It's for my daughter. It's for all the children that follow. And ultimately for this one soul that we are trying to heal, that we are trying to clear all the blocks that are preventing us from remembering, you know, our beings of love. Mm. So important. Mm. But I just, uh, I just want to take a minute because that is such a profound concept that you know we forget when we our kids and the people around us are picking up our energy always and so the way we are the way we you know there's always the distinction between doing and being so you're really speaking to that it's it's uh and anytime you bring up children and the daughters our daughters it just hits me in such a different place so deeply Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's very, it's very tender for me. I wish I could just hide away all the darkness and shadow and, and not expose that to her. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I'm just realizing that is literally not possible. Right. And uh, what you don't clean up and clear up gets passed down. Always. Yes. That's right. That's right. And on that note, (laughs) I would would inject a little hopefulness Mm. Um, because as you know, I've been on this spiritual journey for, for a little while, not, you know, not that long. Uh, Certainly there's lots more to go, but I've noticed that as I've really deepened into these spiritual practices and taken them to heart, there has been a shift in my self-compassion. I'm I'm making a little bit of headway. and I notice it because I, I hear myself saying that one of the reasons I'm on this spiritual journey is to relieve my suffering so that can, I can have moments of peace in this lifetime. I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, I actually didn't know if I'd ever feel peace in this little time space reality we're living in. And then once I discovered those moments, um, you, you kind of chase it like a drug. <laughs> you just want more. Uh, And if we revisit the definition you gave of compassion, being a desire to alleviate suffering, I am practicing self-compassion in that desire. 
even though like most people and you know you're speaking to it i'm i'm often struggling with the actual doing piece of relieving the stru- the suffering i now i'm in a place that um i i want i want to take action to relieve my suffering mm-hmm. um, that's so, beautiful it's yeah. beautiful making a little bit of headway and, uh, <laughs> it's one step at a time right it's a baby baby step at a time baby steps baby moments singular choices always Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that real that real um, knowledge that in any moment we can choose and choose again. Exactly. Exactly. That option. Yeah. So Pam, uh, as we're now talking about this work of healing and learning self compassion and how important it is uh, for ourselves, for the for the planet, for mm-hmm. our children, um, I'd love to hear of some ways that you are working with to Mm -hmm. to shift that towards self-compassion. Yeah, thanks. You know, this is the good news. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there was so much work that has been done on this topic. Um, And it includes hundreds of tools and tips and how-tos. The Greater Good Science Center out of UC Berkeley has a, um, a website and a whole body of work on this that is just chock full of information and I encourage anyone who's interested in this to check that out as well. So the good news is we can cultivate this and we can grow compassion for others and for ourselves. It's a doable and a beable act. And like you, um, you've been practicing it and so have I and, and, sometimes I forget even that I have been practicing it, right? It's like, how did that happen? That I'm, uh, I'm actually practicing self-compassion and yet I forget. <laughs> so it's part of the, again, the noticing, but I'm not an expert and I do have lots of lived experience in trying to cultivate this in myself. So I'll share a few things that I do. The first thing is pretty simple and I'm finding it very effective. And I've become one of those people who, for better or for worse, um, uses post-it notes all over the place uh, because I've learned that the visual cue is something that uh, I can't ignore. So right in front of me, in my office, in my bedroom, um, on my mirror inside my uh, bedroom door, I have a post-it note that says, practice self-compassion. You deserve it. I can't ignore that. And so it stays with me and I'm a visual learner. And so I have that visual in front of me at least a dozen times a day. The second thing that I do is that when I'm in in that endless loop of critical talk or self-judgment, I now remember, all right, truthfully, just sometimes, but I do find those moments to ask myself the question, how would I respond to my friend who feels this way? Or as we just mentioned, if I really want to get to the heart of it, how would I respond to my daughter who feels this way? And that always cuts right through because I'm able to, she's such a beautiful in front of me example um, that I can't ignore. And then the third thing is that I have to remember and remind myself that I'm not alone. 
and that I am living the human experience as we all are. And even though for many years in my life, I have been on this uh, treadmill of perfection, which is a topic we can have at another time, no one is perfect. Everyone suffers. And we are not alone in our suffering. It is the human experience. And we are connected in that. And that knowing softens every part of me helps me to see the compassion for others and for myself. So it's quite easy (laughs) and yet not so much. I just find it to be uh, an ongoing uh, building of this capacity. And the more we do it, the stronger we become. So how about you, Hillary? How are you becoming stronger? Mm. Well, I love, I love those, um, those words, Pam, and uh, I can just really feel that living, you know, the human, human condition, and, and we all, we all suffer. And this is a practice that we can all strengthen. Um, Yeah, I was thinking about what I would share and what I do, uh, also no expert, uh, but what do I do that, that helps? And um, the first thing, it's kind of building on what you're talking about of saying, how would I treat myself as my best friend or what would I say to my daughter and turning that inward one way that I that I can access that as well is hooking in or connecting with what I call my sovereign or my highest self so that's that eternal part of you that transcends your personality that that can see who you really are and it's a being of love that holds your highest interest at all times. So even if you aren't sure you believe in a higher self, or even if you don't know if you're connected with it, just just imagine what a highest self might look like, what it might sound like, and how they might treat you and speak to you. So so you can tap into it that way, connect up that way, and then from that place, see if you can show compassion to whatever emotion or suffering you're feeling. It's like the most benevolent, loving parent you can imagine showing kindness and compassion to their child. So that definitely helps a lot. Uh, the, other, the other thing I sometimes, um, maybe challenge is the wrong word, but encourage myself to do it is like take the compassion muscle out for a workout. Um, I, I used to be an athlete and I was a rower and we used to um, practice doing very short sprints at very, very high stroke rates per minute so that when we you know, came back down, it felt more in control. And, and this is a practice for when you're very well, feeling very well resourced um, and you are, feeling like that compassion muscle could be taken out for a workout and also when you're feeling brave. So what this this exercise is, is to see if there's a situation you can extend compassion to someone that you are definitely not feeling kindly towards. So someone who has deeply hurt you or someone whose opinion you vehemently disagree with, for example, lots, lots of examples of that these days. And then try to connect with that loving flow of your higher self and just be an inquiry. There's a, the phrase in A Course in Miracles that fear can be vicious. 
So can you look at that person and see how they might actually be deeply afraid or acting out of fear? And is there a compassion for that fear? Have you ever acted vehemently out of fear? Um, or the other way is, um, you know, I was talking about, we have to navigate this world with a very heavy backpack. So when you think of that person who's caused you hurt, who you vehemently disagree with, can you find a little room or space in your heart to see that they also have a very heavy backpack on and that given their circumstances and their heritage and their generational stories about themselves and the world, they might actually be doing their best in that moment. So as you strengthen that compassion, then it becomes a little easier to have compassion for yourself in situations where you can see yourself behaving in those ways. I, I was talking about, uh, I was thinking about for like extra bonus points in the strengthening your compassion muscle department <laughs> is, yeah, is trying to extend compassion and self-compassion when you're exploring like oppressive systems, such as the patriarchy or racial injustice. And like you, you know, these things just kept coming at me this week. And I, I was reading this book, which is just an incredible resource to stretch your thinking on compassion. And that's Rhonda McGee's book, The Inner Work of Racial Justice. That's mm -hmm. an excellent book. Yeah, it was, it's just really blowing my mind. And, and she proposes that we need to develop and embody racial, sorry, we need to develop and embody radical compassion and the will to be a space within where radical truth can be spoken and heard. And she also has very, very powerful uh, and practical exercises to increase our mindfulness and compassion. So there's something that you can do when you're feeling well-resourced. At the very opposite end of the scale, when things are so bad, you absolutely have no hope of accessing self-compassion in that moment you are absolutely done. Try to remember that when you can remember nothing else that you can rest. So the expression that works for me is rest in the arms of love. When I can do nothing else, I just imagine myself out in limitless space and these beautiful loving arms come and support me. I just lay down the weapons of that negative self-talk and simply rest. I don't I don't make, I don't ask myself to move towards any specific feeling or shift, just rest in the arms of love. Mm. So those are my, those are my uh, tips on, on practices on how I'm, mm. I'm working to move towards ever more towards compassion and self-compassion. Well, I, I so appreciate what you shared. And I was just thinking, I, I'm always looking for the golden threads. Like what are the connections between the practices, the experience, and then the um, potential outcome, right? And um, what I heard and what you were sharing um, and, you know, as we're exploring this is really um, one, we never ever know the true story of what's going on with someone else. Mm -hmm. Two, when we connect to our higher selves, to our higher purpose, uh, and that connection helps to strengthen the connection for ourselves and for others. And then three, the oppressive systems that we live in, even the notion of resting is 
the antithesis, right? Like we can't rest, but in fact, that is the doing and the being that allows for the connecting and the resting to occur where compassion can flow from. It is, it is, it's a radical act. It's radical. I, I, some, sometimes it makes me, I guess I would say even angry uh, in that these radical acts of love are actually our birthright. And they should not be radical. But they are radical because of the conditions and the systems that yeah. we have just accepted, you know, in, in, uh, in an unconscious way. So the, the good news about compassion and self-compassion is that actually um, it really is a tool that builds strength and resiliency, courage, and the ability to be in flow when life happens because we don't have to do anything about it other than be in compassion and we get to share that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you for pulling those, those threads together. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And I also wanted to say, we've mentioned quite a few resources uh, in this podcast, so we'll make sure to include uh, the links to those uh, in our podcast notes so that you too can, can work on strengthening your compassion and self-compassion for the mm -hmm. healing of yourself and, and everyone and this beautiful planet we live on. Thanks, Hillary. Well, I think that's it for today. Not six hours, Pam, but, uh, <laughs> but I think we covered a lot. A good surface scratching. <laughs> yeah, I'm speaking to you from the traditional and unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Pam lives on the unceded territory and lands of the Ohlone people. You can find Pam at practicalfeet.com and Hillary at transformingventures.com. If you have any questions or comments or issues you would like to address in future episodes, please email us. You can find us at hello at sacredatwork.com. If you would like to support the production and distribution of this podcast, please consider contributing through Patreon at patreon.com slash sacredatwork. Our podcast is produced by Collins Bina. Our beautiful opening and closing music is composed and performed by Lorianne Speed. Sacred at Work is released twice per month, and we so look forward to connecting with you next time with much love. Be compassionate with yourselves. Bye.